Hello everyone. So this episode, just to be clear, is the second half of my conversation that I had with Kara in the last episode. So you should listen to my first episode on the Man in the High Castle show before you listen to this episode. In this episode, we're starting with our discussion of Childen but you'll have missed our discussion of several of the past characters. Additionally, I would really appreciate it if you could take the time after this episode to let me know if you would have preferred if I just put my conversation with Kara out in one really long episode or if you liked the way that I split this into two. So leave a review, send me an email send me a message on Instagram. It just would be good for me to know if this was a good way of doing it or not. But anyways, yeah, so thanks for listening and enjoy Childen. Oh, also, my next episode after this will actually be on February 14th because I'm doing a special Valentine's episode. You'll have to listen to find out what book I'm doing. Enjoy Tilden. Bye. Okay. Hi, everyone. This is Catherine. Um, And this is Kara. And this is Cosmos in the Cosmos. And it's also a big deal because I guess this is as good of a moment as any to introduce Robert Childen, who is kind of the main character in the book. So, I mean, well, it's sort of Juliana, but it's sort of him. So much bigger in the book than in the show. Yeah, well, I mean, there's just so few characters in the book. Mm. But he is this very fussy white man who loves his antiques. He loves a good deal. He doesn't like getting his hands dirty. And he's scared of everything. At one point when I think we talked about keto basically killing random people, they called that reprisals. So they were basically just like killing people because they were trying to scare all the white people into submission. And he lives in his shop with like no electricity for months on end and like eats mice because he's too afraid to go outside. Yep. He's just, he's just like... All of the other characters in the show are like you're braver than average white person. Robert Childen is your character to remind you that there were a lot of white people that were just scared yep. and just hid. Mm-hmm. And he is also someone who, as we mentioned, he really loves Japanese culture and he really works hard to ingratiate himself. And basically, like the most exciting moment of his life in the show is when the Japanese crown princess comes into his shop. Right. So at the, I think it's like the last episode. Mm-hmm. He, yeah, he loves the Japanese. He really wants to be respected by the Japanese, and they don't respect him for the most part, just because he's white. Even though he understands their culture and really respects them, but the crown princess comes in and looks at. I think it was a Remington artwork that he's planning to. So maybe that wasn't the last episode. Actually. It's one of the last ones. One of the last episodes. Uh, that he was going to have an auction to invite really fancy Japanese people for. But she talks to him about what she thinks it means and has a personal conversation with him. So that's basically, like, the highlight of his life. And then yeah. afterwards, he was, like, Japanese assistant thinks he's really great because the crown princess talked with him. 
And then he marries his Japanese assistant. <laughs> and because she thinks he's like a man of honor now and worthy to. He, I think he kind of almost feels like he's assimilated with the Japanese people, which I don't think the average Japanese person would actually think. But but he thinks he is. And it's very interesting because at the end of the show, when the Japanese leave, he finds a way to go with them. He sells the shop to the Yakuza and gets a ticket to Japan. Well, he's given a ticket by the crown princess, but then they don't take that ticket. Oh, right. Yes. And so he has to sell the shop to get there. Which, I mean, what's he going to do with the shop in Japan? Yeah, so so it works out for him. But it's just interesting because he's always going to be looked down upon in Japan. And it's kind of unclear what the Yakuza are planning to do once everyone leaves. But they want to stay, so I don't know. I don't know what the Yakuza are doing after that. But yeah, so, and that's, that's basically Robert Childen and Ed and Childen work together a lot. Yeah, they're kind of, they're kind of a funny match, but they kind of need each other in different ways. And Childen kind of helps Ed realize that he's living too much in Frank's shadow. Right. He's kind of tells him to do his own thing. And then Ed's like, you know what? You're right. I will. You know what? I guess that that leads me into the thought of one of the funny things about the show is that the third season of the show, they suddenly add like five gay couples. Which is interesting. It's not like, obviously, it's like not like a bad thing to have like, you know, gay couples in shows. That's like cool. And it's like wonderful that they're adding more representation in shows. It just feels like, it really feels like after the second season, someone on their staff mentioned that there were no gay couples and they were like, crap, we need to add a million of them to make it work. Because suddenly it's like every new character who's added is gay or lesbian. Yeah, that does seem right, actually. And it's kind of interesting because they're not, at least in the Nazi states, they're basically like, we'll kill you if you're gay. And there doesn't seem like they're trying super hard to hide it, which I feel like you definitely probably would try a little more. Yeah, it's like, there's like two German lesbian women and they go to like a lesbian bar and get in trouble. And it's like, why would you ever do that? And like, why would, how would there even be a lesbian bar? Yeah, it's very strange. And then there's Ed, who he meets a boyfriend in the neutral zone, who, I don't even remember that guy's name, but he seems cool. And him and Ed go off together at the end of that season and are never seen again. And then there's, like, a whole thing with one of the lesbian women is married to a gay man. And then also in that season, we meet J. Edgar Hoover, who John Smith successfully blackmails by showing him photos that show that he's gay. Which is confusing because he's also, like, turning in all the gay people because he's, like, ahead of Nazi surveillance. He basically knows. He's basically wired, like, everywhere, which is kind of crazy. But he basically knows everything that's happening. Yeah, so it's kind of like how... How would he not know people could catch him? It's very strange. That part is kind of unbelievable. Yeah, it's but it is kind of funny that they made J. Edgar Hoover the head of security in the Nazi world, too. I like the idea that J. Edgar Hoover was just someone who would have risen to a role like that in any world in the multiverse. Yeah, he's definitely an intense character, for sure. And he helps John become the head political poncho. But, which again, it shows kind of his John's scheming, blackmailing ways. Because that's not the only time he does something like that. Yeah, he always has a back like an evil plan up his sleeve right 
Which is why you're like, well, maybe he's just gaining power to protect his family. But it, it seems like he's enjoying it. Yeah. It, it's interesting. But we haven't really talked about Juliana that much or Joe Blake yet. Should we talk about Joe Blake first and leave Juliana for last? Yeah, let's leave Juliana for last since she's the biggest lady. I guess the other thing, the other two things that I'll say before that then is... One, it's kind of interesting. We meet Kotomishi, who is... We haven't talked about Tagomi. Oh my gosh. We meet Kotomishi, who is Tagomi's assistant. No, then we'll talk about Tagomi because Tagomi is great. Kotomishi has these burns on his arms that we sort of see a few times, but we don't know immediately what they mean. And eventually we find out that he's a traveler from our world where the bombs were dropped and he survived one of the bo- atomic bombs that America dropped, but his whole family was killed. So he moved to this world because this world is a happy ending for him because his Japanese family is still alive. And I think it's an interesting reminder that in our world, the Americans kind of did something really terrible in dropping not one, but two atomic bombs on Japan, and that they killed a lot of people. And that eat some of those people can find happy endings in a different world you know because they don't really talk about it in the show but I think it is kind of something as an American you have to reckon with that we did that to another country right so it kind of shows I guess a different angle to the whole show yeah but then the thing that that leads us to is Mr. Tagomi. Who Mr. Tagomi, as we said before, is the most sympathetic Japanese man. For sure. And he's a traveler. Not yet, but he, like, learns to travel. I guess most people do during Mm -hmm. the course of the show. And when he travels, he goes, I guess, this alt world, which is supposed to be the world where we won. And he sees his son, who has died in his world, is married to Juliana. Right, which is interesting, because that kind of leads to a connection between him and Juliana throughout the show where he basically take cares, takes care of her. But he is, he's basically against war in almost every setting. And he really cares about all, I guess maybe not all, pe- I think he cares about all people. Like there's a couple scenes where uh, Japanese military leaders are willing to put white people in risk. Like there's a scene where they want to have a bus filled with uranium. And they're like, oh, will it only be white people in the bus? And Tagomi's like, no, we're not going to have people on the bus, even white people. Yeah, he's the only head Japanese official that seems to value white lives evenly. Yes. And he definitely is kind of willing to question authority, Mm -hmm. but in a very, like, peaceful, non-confrontational way. I don't think he's really against the Japanese emperor empire but like he does it there's a scene a couple scenes where he goes to the library and reads forbidden books Mm -hmm. because he has enough power to basically do whatever he wants yeah which is interesting and he's the only character in the show who's really into the i ching yes i ching (laughs) so you've probably talked about what the i ching is in the previous episode yes but i'll say this if you haven't listened to the other one it's where you throw these sticks in whatever pattern they show up in then there's a book that has different Chinese parables for each of them that can give answers to questions. And Tagomi uses it, but in the book, everyone uses it. And in the show, everyone thinks that Tagomi's kind of a weird old man for relying on this too much. Right. But he kind of... It kind of really plays into the whole thing where they 
stop the atomic bomb. He's a pretty big part of that because he gets the film. But he really, like, uses that to kind of predict what's going to happen in that situation. Yeah. And I think that that's... It's really interesting because I think in some ways he's the smartest character. He really has a very deeper sense of what's going on. Mm -hmm. And also, he, like, is able to travel to our world and meet his wife and his son who are still alive. And he hangs out with them. And it's like he understands he could stay in that world and be happier. But he also understands that he has a responsibility to the broken world. So he goes back. So I'm just thinking now, isn't he alive in the other world? No. he. So they don't make it, they don't explicitly say it. But they say he had an argument with his son and went on the bridge and was never seen again. The implication is that he committed suicide and that he showed up before they realized it. So probably right after, it's like one of these things where it's like he's going to leave and then they're going to find his body in the river. That makes sense. Okay. Yeah, I never thought about that to me. Yeah, well, they don't, they don't like come out and say it. I think just because it's yeah. a bit sad. But mm-hmm. the whole thing is, is that in that world, he's pretty angry. And that version of him does kind of judge his son for marrying a white woman. Mm-hmm. Which in this world, he seems like super happy that his son married her. And he's like, yeah, really happy that she's happier in the other world. Maybe happier in the other world. I think he thinks she is. Yeah, it's interesting because I think we kind of see that in the world, even though he doesn't really support the Japanese Empire, I think he's a bit bitter in the world where they lost. Yeah. And I think part of it is that he's not happy in America. Whereas the version of him who was in the Japanese Empire, he's just so thrilled to see his family. He's like, sure, we can live anywhere. Sure, you can be married to a white woman. I don't care. Okay, I'm just happy you're alive. Yeah. Yeah. I think he's probably like... The most sympathetic character in the whole show, honestly. Besides maybe Juliana. Eh, I... Yeah, she's... No, I, I, I think it's him. I think it's him. Because Juliana, at the beginning, she runs away with this film for basically no reason and literally results in the death of all of Frank's family. And she never even really apologizes. Yeah, that's true. She's just like... I mean, she says, like, I'm sorry, I didn't know... But she never... She doesn't look like she feels bad about it. No, and she never acknowledges that it was her fault. Like, if she hadn't done that, they would have been okay. And that... But also, you could say that if she hadn't done that, everyone would have been atomic bombed. I I mean... I don't know. She didn't know that, though. Yeah, maybe, but that wasn't why she did it. The call to adventure. Basically... Which Van the High Castle says is sort of something she can't help following. Yep. Ah, Tagomi. What else do I want to say about Tagomi? I really liked it when he had the romance with that <laughs> Okinawan lady before he was killed. Yeah, he meets a really sweet Okinawan painter and they eat strawberries together. And there's also a funny scene where he like he likes to do like ancient Japanese martial arts basically as like warm ups in the morning to not get arthritis. And then he uses them to like fight off a Nazi assassin. And I kind of appreciated that because it's a scene that it kind of shows that like he's not stronger than the Nazi assassin, but the Nazi assassin just didn't expect the old man to have like any moves. <laughs> yeah. And he has just enough moves. Yeah. But he does. 
at one point Keto has Juliana in custody and he's just like, no, give her to me. Of his like connection with her in the other world. And he takes care of her and takes her into his house. And he does, he does have films as well. Mm -hmm. Because the man in the high castle sends him films, which that's another part that's kind of unclear as to why he. Well, I think he does that so Juliana can watch them. Right. But how he like would have known that. I think he just knows everything. Man in the high castle. Yeah, presumably through some connection of films. I don't know. The Man in the High Castle has watched a bunch of films, but he also seems a little bit mad, so it's kind of unclear why he does anything. Yeah. He's delightful. I love the way he speaks in rhymes. But, yeah, and then he's not in the last season, really, which is a bit sad. Well, because he's assassinated. Yeah, the Germans, you think, kill him, but it was actually, like, other Japanese people, I believe. Yes, it was, there's kind of two factions of Japanese people at the end of the show. One which really want to keep San Francisco and want to be brutal and kind of kill everyone and take o- keep over. And then there's another faction that kind of says it's time to leave. We're basically losing. And we don't want to rule if we have to be brutal to rule. And Kido's big thing is when he decides that he's going to support the faction that wants to leave. And he helps them. After he enveloped, he discovers that they killed Takomi. And he decides that he also doesn't want to have to be brutal for the rest of his life. And he says we should leave. Yes. In the last season, there's a lot of violence in the Japanese states because there's a group, the Black Communist Rebellion, (laughs) that is assassinating. They blame for Takomi's death, but they didn't do it. But they're assassinating high-ranking Japanese officials to try to get a better life for black people. And they have an interesting relationship with Robert Tilden because they end up doing a explosion at a auction that he's holding and they almost kill him. But then he realizes what they're doing and is like able to explain to them like which Japanese officials are and aren't on their side. And that's kind of an interesting interaction. Where his knowledge of Japanese culture helps them because he kind of understands the politics a little better than they do. And he's able to be like, no, 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 you're assassinating the wrong people. Yes, because there are basically like the crown princess in the end is kind of anti-violence. So she wants to leave. And then the Navy is kind of on her side, but the army is basically like, no, we're not losing territory no matter what. And they're willing to kill even their own Japanese people to keep that mission which is actually very similar to the Nazis who are so pro-war they kill their own people so it's an interesting parallel yeah I think it's just more sad because I you're more invested in Tagomi than you are in any of the Nazis that killed right like when they kill Hitler you're not like oh man they killed Hitler (laughs) yeah when they kill Tagomi it is sad because he's a sweetie yes he's very he's very kind contemplative I think he kind of shows the like best idea of like what Jap- Japan is supposed to be mm-hmm. and that he's like someone who really he really believes in like honor and duty but he also like really believes in like meditation and like the old ways and like respecting the life of like everything yeah which I think is kind of like an interesting part of the show because obviously like no one is like we think Nazi culture should continue so like <laughs> Yeah, but versus, like, Japanese culture clearly has, there's beautiful parts of Japanese culture, but then they obviously have a very bad history of 
brutality. Yeah, but like which maybe you could say the same thing about pretty much every culture. But. Yes, but it is interesting, you know, like I think I'm comfortable saying that I think there are a lot more pleasant parts of the ancient Japanese state than there were about the Nazi state. Right. <laughs> Don't think there's basically anything pleasant about the Nazi state. I'm going to put the Nazi state as a thumbs down in history. Yes, versus, yeah, the Japanese state definitely had its problems. Sure. Yes. Maybe main being with the Nazis. <laughs> and killing a lot of Chinese people. And, yeah, killing a lot of people. But there definitely were, I guess, positives and negatives versus just negatives. Right. Yeah. And I think the show does an interesting job of portraying both. But, yeah, so is it is it time to talk about... Well, here, should we talk about Joe Blake first, or should we talk about Wyatt? Let's talk about Joe Blake. So, Joe Blake, Juliana, Juliana, after she gets the film from her sister, like we said, she runs off to the neutral zone with it to try to meet up with the resistance person that Trudy, her sister, was supposed to be giving the film to. And when she gets there, she meets Joe Blake. And she kind of is wondering, is he the resistance person I'm supposed to be meeting up with? He has recently come from New York, and he is portraying himself as a truck driver, just passing through. And you find out very early on that he is, in fact, a Nazi who is there to get the film and to turn in the rebellion people involved with it. But he he realizes pretty clearly that Juliana doesn't have any idea what's going on either. Because she doesn't, you know, she wasn't really part of the rebellion. She just took this film from Trudy and he thinks she's very sexy and he's hoping he'll get some. So, <laughs> so he's willing to hold off a little while before he steals the film and does whatever he's supposed to do to her. Yeah. And he, he lies about having met her and tries his best to protect her. Right. And basically at the beginning, neither of them really knows if the other one is where their loyalties are. Because she doesn't want to just, like, say, I'm with the Resistance. And he doesn't, uh, he's obviously is not going to say he's a Nazi. So, they have a friendship. Well, it's also weird because, like, at that point, Juliana kind of intends to go back to Frank. Right. They haven't literally, like, officially broken up. She just kind of left with no warning and let his family get killed. <laughs> Which is usually a breakup. But, I mean, I guess she doesn't know about his family. <laughs> but, yeah. Yeah. But I don't think she's, like, super loyal to him. No. Either, it kind of feels in a few scenes where she's like, mm, if Joe kissed me, I'd be down. Yeah. I yeah. I don't think it's a closed door. But he is, like, a Nazi, but he's not, like, he's not really sure if he really believes in the Nazi ideals. He's just sort of, like... Recent recruit. Yeah. Well, he was a construction worker, and then... John Smith basically just, like, found him one day and was like, surprise, surprise. But John Smith knew who he was when he found him. Yeah, John Smith knew that his dad was a high-ranking Nazi official, but he doesn't know that. All that he knows is that he was a construction worker, and then he gets drafted for this really important mission, and he doesn't have any idea why. And he, at the beginning, he kind of goes undercover as a resistance agent when he first goes to the neutral zone. So that, that was like he his cover at the beginning of the show he's basically a spy and what we find out later on is that he's part of this group called the Liebensborn that he didn't even know he was part of which is like a Nazi brooding program 
So his dad was a high-ranking Nazi official, and they had um, women with they had children with desirable Nazi women, and they were supposed yeah. to kind of grow up in a special program to make them the most ideal Nazis. But his mom stole him away to America, and his dad never really came after him until, I guess, is it the second season mm-hmm. when he gets John Smith is like because he doesn't want to be a Nazi anymore after the end of his interactions with juliana because juliana basically saves him when she didn't have to and he's kind of having a change of heart and he's like i'd like to get back with her but uh, john smith basically tells him juliana's dead and says your father wants to meet you so he goes to germany to become a a nazi boy well when he goes to germany he doesn't plan on staying because he doesn't like know what's going on but then his dad is super into him and he thinks juliana's dead and he meets this hot nazi woman which he doesn't know she's a lesbian yet well i think she's bi Oh, maybe she's bi. That actually makes a lot of sense. I think she just is interested in open. <laughs> she's interested in all of them. Because there's several steamy scenes with her and Joe. Yeah, that's true. That's true. She's just... I think she's just rebellious because her daddy's important and wants to kind of experiment. Yeah, before she gets sent to a re-education camp. Yeah, that's rough. Yeah, that's rough, buddy. But so, anyways... And he decides he's going to stay in Germany because his dad, who turns out to be a terrible person, originally makes him think that he, like, wants to, like, actually make the German state a better place. But he gets caught with his dad, who's part of the plot to bomb Japan and was part of the group who killed Hitler. And he gets forced into re-education and forced to kill his dad. And then after that, he is a full Nazi agent. Right, and the re-education is basically torture. Just to make that clear, if anyone didn't. Yeah, yeah, re-education camps. <laughs> yeah, re-education camps are. We it's like we ask you, do you believe in the Nazi cause, and you say no, and then we beat you, and we say, what do you think now? Right. And then we do that every day for as long as it takes you to say the Nazis are cool, and it's kind of like one of these questions of like. How much do you judge him for what he becomes? Because how much would any of us hold up in a situation like that? Yeah. And it's like, at the beginning of the show, like, he is a Nazi, but he's a pretty harmless one, you know? He saves Juliana, he gives his films to the Rebellion, and he does his best to keep, you know, the good people that he meets alive. And when he gets back from his first mission, he's like, I'm not doing this anymore. I don't want to be a Nazi. I'm just going to be a construction worker, even if I make less money. Because he... I don't... He was a very reluctant Nazi, I'd say. Yeah. And he even tries to go back to, like, his girlfriend that he wasn't even that into because he feels bad and really likes her kid. And even though, like, that doesn't work out, and it's like, was there cheating sort of going on there with her him and Juliana? Um, it, yeah, it feels like he's trying his best to be a good person. And then the Nazis are like, no, we will torture you until you change your mind. Yeah, and then they make him kill his dad. And it's like, well, how well would you survive under having been forced to kill your parents? And the interesting thing about his dad is his dad is the one who makes the plot against Hitler and wants to start a war with the Japanese. So when they find that out, that's why his dad is, yeah, they don't like his dad because he killed Hitler. Yeah, but it's like, that's not really his fault. 
No, and his dad does basically say he wasn't in on the plot. But, yeah, so we... He's interesting because we did have him as a character in the book. You know, Joe Cinadella was there. But in the book, Joe Cinadella is, like, actually an Italian man? Versus a Nazi spy. Yeah, well, it's like... In the book, they have, like, the Italian Empire, and I think they realized it didn't really make much sense, so in the show, they're just like, scrap that. Nothing about Italians in the show. No, which I think was a good choice. Yeah. I don't know. I didn't read the book, so. Well, they're basically just, like, briefly mentioned to be, like, yay, Italians, we killed all the Middle Easterners, and it's like, okay, but... Then it's like, Joseph Adele is just a nickname, and then we do finally reach the scene, which also happens in the book, where he is trying to force Juliana along with his plan, and she opens his neck with a razor. Yes. And it's pretty, it's a pretty brutal sad scene, because Juliana basically risked everything in earlier seasons to save him, and to get him out, to get him on a better life, and he tried. You know, he did. But they still end up in that scene where she has to kill him. Yeah. Basically, she gets in very hot water with the resistance and they almost kill her multiple times based on her saving him earlier. And then in the end, she kills him. Yeah. And it's a sad moment for Juliana, I think. Because I think Juliana's kind of defining character trait is that she believes in everyone regardless of where she meets them and what they're doing. I think she sees the potential for goodness in people because I think... There's multiple times where you see that with Thomas or with mm-hmm. Joe Blake and with Tagomi. And I guess then she kind of has to come with to the realization that he has gone through re-education and he is maybe truly a Nazi now. And he's not really able to be saved anymore. Yes. Which she wanted to. Yeah. But so let's talk about Juliana a bit. Juliana is our lovely main character that we finally reached. But we've kind of touched on much of her story already. Yeah, she is living in San Francisco, and basically she was in a terrible car crash, and after the terrible car crash, she meets Frank, and he... Did she step in front of the bus on purpose? Is that kind of implied? It's an... Yeah. Maybe she was suicidal? Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. And ever come out right outright and say it? I think this book has a... Not this book. Sorry. The show has a pretty sensitive portrayal of suicide, which I think is kind of nice. Since yeah. it's... But she clearly was just kind of struggling with the idea that her life had no meaning. And after that, Frank puts her back together and kind of convinces her that maybe they can live together, you know, get married, have a family, even though that's a big risk because he's Jewish. And then her sister shows up and says, I have the answer. I found it right before being killed and she watches this film where the Americans win the war and she's swept away and she goes to give this film to the resistance ultimately costing Frank's family their lives and then she sort of is a resistance member but she also doesn't like hurting anyone even like Nazis or Japanese people and will go against the resistance if it means hurting people and that means resistance almost kill her multiple times she kind of does her own thing. She has a problem with authority. Yeah. Which is good when authority... I guess maybe that is kind of like one of her main things is to show that most people under authority are willing to do bad things and she's not. Yeah. In most cases. 
basically nothing can really sway her, which I think makes her a very interesting character. She's very stubborn. Yes, which is, I guess, maybe the man in the High Castle's point when he says she's basically the same in every every multiverse. And the whole thing is, is that she helps to stop an atomic bomb from falling on San Francisco because her dad and Trudy's dad are not the same person. And they never were meant to be because she has a stepdad, but also her stepdad, who is supposed to be Trudy's dad, is not. No, Trudy's dad is actually this guy who fought with her dad in the war. And Trudy's step and her stepdad doesn't know she's not Trudy's biological dad. Right. Her mom had a brief affair after her husband died with a random soldier who fought with him, and that is Trudy's dad. And then she married another soldier that fought with her dad and said, you're Trudy's dad. Yep. And so... Trudy knows her actual dad. He's in the resistance and he's willing to do anything to make sure the resistance wins. And that includes outing the fact that Thomas is sick. So that's kind of one of the most dramatic scenes is where she kills Trudy's father so that he can't out Thomas, even though Thomas is a Nazi because he's trying to take down John Smith and she says I don't want to take down John Smith by killing his son. Yeah she's basically like I care if you're doing this for the right reasons She, I guess she's very much you know some characters are the ends justify the means. Juliana is the ends never justify. Like it never justifies the means. Yes. And so she is able to prevent the bomb from being dropped because since she kills this guy he doesn't kill john smith which means that john smith is able to go to berlin and convince the nazis to not drop the bomb yes and the man in the high castle said that's basically the only multiverse where it doesn't happen is if she kills him in the alleyway so there's this whole scene of him asking her who he is and she doesn't know yet she does figure out by asking her mom Mm -hmm. but yeah, so that was basically, like, destined to happen if they didn't want the atomic bomb. And that's the first time that, like, she shoots someone, right? I think you're right, because after that, she does, she kind of lives with the man in the high castle and his wife and her, Trudy from another universe. And at that point, they're pretty brutal and kill a bunch of people. But, I mean, I guess brutal because those people are coming after them. Yeah. Juliana never sets out to kill anyone, but she's definitely not above killing people that show up trying to kill her. Yes. Self-defense. She does kill some Nazis. Yeah, but you know. But I mean, who won it? Yeah, also they are trying to kill her. Exactly. But it's interesting because you get this whole thing where the revolution does become very brutal and really becomes very intense. And Juliana comes back at the very end to help them but she's in america for a large part of not america sorry she's in the our america mm-hmm. and of our world for a large part of it and it's this interesting thing of like would she have condoned any of that if she was there she comes back and she appreciates the results but she doesn't have to deal with it of any of it right her other love interest well kind of potential love interest wyatt the irishman i would say definitely so basically the show goes oh shoot we didn't think this far she's killed joe and we killed frank what are we gonna do with juliana now we need to introduce a sexy man what can we find everyone loves irishman 
it doesn't matter how we got an Irish accent. Let's find a curly-haired, sexy Irish man to be Juliana's new hunky-dory man. It is kind of interesting because, like, at least three of the main characters are completely dead in the last season. Mm -hmm. So they kind of have to pivot a little bit at that point. And so that's when they're like, Wyatt, we love Wyatt. Don't you love Wyatt? And he is in charge of a lot of the violence while she is living in the alternate universe where she has the positive relationship with John Smith that we talked about Mm -hmm. earlier. And also that's when we have the Black Communist Rebellion because they're like, oh shoot, something needs to take up airtime. Right. Which is, yeah, kind of interesting because it's not really talked about at all until the fourth season, so it seems kind of random. But the fourth season, I would say, is by far the most rushed. Yes. I think it was the see, I don't know, the plot was the least compelling, I think. Yeah, it just kind of feels like so many things just sort of happen, whereas the other seasons, things are so much more carefully lined up. Yeah, the other seasons are like, I feel like they're very, very well done and thought out. And it's, yeah. Which, this doesn't appear to be the case, but it does really feel like the fourth season, it was like they thought it was going to be like the second to last season, they thought it was going to be the last season. But it appears like it was the last season so I don't know if someone just got tired or if the director changed or... It feels rushed. It doesn't have the same cadence at all. Yeah. And there's a weird thing with the very end where they're like, kill John Smith and everything will be fine. And you kind of think that means like kill John Smith and things will eventually be fine. But then they like kill John Smith and then his, like, second-in-command immediately is like, I'm an American. I was always an American. Call off the planes. And it's like a 30-second scene, if it's, even. Yeah, and it's like, what? We didn't know you were an American. Because they were basically about to go to the Japanese area and take over because the Japanese people are leaving and the Black Communist Rebellion is in charge. And it's pretty clear that the Black Communist Rebellion, they have, like, some guns, but the German people have, like, all the technology. So there's no way that the Black Communist Rebellion could win. Yeah. They're basically just, like, willing to fight to the death because they don't want to be live... I mean, the Nazis are going to kill them in concentration camps either way, so they don't really have yeah. much choice. But... And then, yeah, the resistance kills John Smith because Helen gives up his location and she gets killed in the it, too. And then as soon as he's dead, the second-in-command just calls... Like, he's just... Uh, as soon as they find out he's dead, in, like, one second, he says, call off the planes, and that's basically the last scene. Besides... The portal. Yes. So we mentioned before that the Nazis have made this portal. And at the end, there is this very strange, very unexplained scene where people are suddenly coming into their world through the portal. Just like lots and lots of people are walking through. And then the man in the high castle walks through the other way. And my interpretation of it is, which I... Really, it's really never made clear, and I wish it had been made more clear. But my interpretation of it is, is these are people that other travelers have told about this terrible Nazi world that are coming to help. That's kind of what I thought, too, because the ending is so rushed. Like, the one guy who's in charge calls off the airstrike, but it's really unclear as to if that's going to be, like, the Nazis are done in America or if, like, the next Nazi guy is just going to kill that guy. Yeah. So maybe these people are like, we're going to be basically join the resistance and or the Black Communist Rebellion, which is kind of working with the resistance at the end. 
they kind of they didn't want to because they basically don't trust white people but they basically that what if we unite under the american flag because pretty much all the american nazis used to be americans though and maybe that would be the only thing they basically encourage the american nazis to resist and to join them which maybe works because the second in command guy was an american nazi and then he does join them but yeah i would say very very quick change like and you don't really know anything about this guy there's like a few scenes with him being like in the army with john smith before they but there's not a lot of backstory as to why he immediately becomes american again as soon as he's in charge yeah well what i was telling kara earlier that i thought they should have added is we get a flashback scene of john smith with his baby that we mentioned with helen but then right after that, one of John Smith's Jewish friends is captured and is being brought to a concentration camp. And he asks John Smith for help. And John Smith doesn't help him. He turns away because that's what Helen wants him to do. And I was saying that what they should have added in is that later we should have gotten this guy in a flashback where he realizes what's happening and tries to help their Jewish friend and like always remembers that and like keeps it within himself. And so we just have some motivation. Right, we just, it feels like we don't know this guy at all, and then all of a sudden, he's in charge and he saves everything. And Which it's like, okay. Seems unlikely, but. It's very unlikely. I mean, this guy was involved in a ton of bad stuff, too. Yeah, like. I mean, we don't even see him that much to know, but you assume he had to be. So, like, why hasn't he turned? I think what, like, would have made more sense is if they had done something more towards the realm of having like the having like kidnapped john smith brought him to the black communist rebellion and then been like stop or we'll like kill him Mm -hmm. and tried to like use that to like make a negotiation bargaining chip and then at that point we see that there's like an american rebellion and the nazis that are like this is our chance to shine or if they just made that like part of the whole season, it would have just been so much better. Yes, if there was a little bit more of a backstory of the fact that some of the Nazis still wished they were Americans. And I mean, John Smith, even before he's about to be killed, kind of makes a comment saying like, I don't know how to get out of this even if I wanted to. Which I think kind of shows that he has regrets, which you kind of guess. But also that he is not, he's, I mean, he's in charge. If anyone could get out of it. He could. I guess it also shows maybe the entrapments of being an authoritarian ruler, which probably is. Yeah, but if his friend can so easily call off the airstrike. Right. Why couldn't he? Yeah, it's, I don't know. It's a little bit, it's just a bit of a frustrating ending to what is otherwise a really good show. Yes. It is a hopeful ending, which is kind of nice, I guess, but it feels very rushed. Yeah, but the Black Gummies Rebellion, you know, none of the characters I think are really worth mentioning individually, but there is some scenes where, you know, there's one scene that's pretty brutal where all the black people are talking about where they, like, what concentration camps they lost family in. Yeah. But there's also this, like, scene at the end where they're, like, trying to set up a government and they're, like, you know, like, this is going to be, like, a world where, you know, like, we're going to have a state where black people are going to walk free and like equal to everyone else. And it's kind of like, well, that's kind of hopeful and that's kind of different because it's like black people were not walking equal to everyone else in America in our world in the 1960s, you know? Mm -hmm. 
-hmm. So it's like maybe that's like something that this world made that's like better. I mean, maybe. Maybe. It's it's hard to say though. It's just it just really feels like the last season was it had Yeah, a bunch of new characters that were kind of added with little backstory. And I don't like dislike Wyatt. Like I think he's like a good enough looking actor. I think he's like a good actor. I think his Irish accent is charming, but it does really feel like they just put like all the stereotypes of a sexy man into an actor because they He's kinda random. Yeah. They just needed someone else. And it doesn't really make sense how devoted he's to Juliana. I guess the other thing that's important to note is that Juliana, even though I don't really see her as this, everyone in the world this world thinks she's the most sexy woman in the world. Yes. And I maybe it's supposed to be like they see the goodness in her and that's like I don't know. <laughs> it's just weird. Yeah. I mean, like, the first time Wyatt meets her, like, which is before Joe Blake is even dead. Yeah. Yeah. He's He's just, like, immediately into her. He's just like, "Hmm." and it seems like he could really have his pick. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And it's like, you're, you're a hunk, you know? You could have anyone. (laughs) Besides this kind of problematic, dangerous character that gets you shot all the time. (laughs) Yeah. But then he does seem to really believe in the resistance himself. Yes. his family was killed in Ireland or some random backstory. It never really explained. We don't have time for that. The the fourth season, it's like, we could tell you, but nobody got time for that. Yes. If you want to know, watch it. (laughs) But yeah. So, I mean, is there anything else you want to talk about? I think we've talked about a lot. Yes. So I guess the final question is, would you recommend the show? I would recommend the show. I really liked it. I mean, I had seen it all before and then I ended up watching most a lot of it again because I watched it in 2019 and had forgotten a surprising amount and I still enjoyed it the second go around yeah when I started the show I wasn't sure I was gonna like it because I disliked the book so much so I came in with a negative viewpoint and I still ended up really liking it I think it really it takes the book story and it expands it so well the multiverse is so much more plausible than the weird I Ching writing a book explanation the new characters I think add a lot of heart I really love John Smith I really love Keto and I just think it's a wonderful story of how we kind of all have good and bad things in ourselves and how we all could become worse or better depending on our circumstances yeah I agree yeah so you know you should watch and enjoy the show and I will be back in two weeks. Bye. Bye. <laughs>